Like I said, I was in Columbus on Saturday. Oh, that was a fun time. I was out there getting um, some uh, information about how to do church better. That's what they called it. They called it how to do church better. And I said, okay, I got to go. I don't know how to do church better. So I was learning all kinds of crazy stuff, and I was scrambling, going back and forth on the sermon that I had to write. I had one whole writ out, and then um, Thursday night came up, and the Lord says, you know, there's been this one sermon that you've had on your heart, and you've been waiting to preach it. And I said, yes, Lord, I've been waiting to preach it. I've had it in my notes. He says, I want you to preach it, but I want you to go at it at a different angle. And I'm like, God, really? A different angle? Why can't you make it easy for me? Why can't I just get a message that I've already got proofed and ready to go? I can just skim through it and say, okay, this is easy. That's not how God does, is it, Brother Jim? No, it's, it's a little bit more difficult in a lot of the different ways that he does it. But it's always because he's trying to grow me as he's trying to grow you. So as I was reading through the scripture, I was going over and over and over it. And I've heard the story before. I've read it over and over again. And then God kept saying, I want you to look at it from this angle. Okay, I'll read it this angle. And then I'm reading through it and I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And then I read it again and I'm like, still does not make sense. And then I kept reading it. And then it's finally like the Holy Spirit just whacked me upside the head and said, it's right there, stupid. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit ever hit you on the backside of your head and it's like, he's duh, come on, it's clear as English. Unless you're really reading it out of the Hebrew Aramaic Bibles, and then you're like, okay, it's not English, but. But if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, if you have the paper, open it up to King, 2 Kings chapter 13. And if you don't got your paper and you got your phone Bible, open it up to that and get that little U version app kicked up and go over to 2 Kings. And hopefully you're in the English Standard Translation because that's usually what I preach out of because it's a little bit more easy for some people to read. But we have it. And it, in the scripture it says, Now Elijah had fallen sick with the illness which he was to die. And Josiah, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took the bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elijah laid his hands on the king's hands, and once he said it, open the window to the eastward, and he opened it, and Elijah said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight Syrians in Ephek, which means fortress, by the way, until you have made an end of them. And he said to them, take the arrows. And he took the arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck the ground three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have st struck it five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syrian until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Father God, I just ask that you just move upon me. Give me the clarity of mind. Give me the, the words to speak, Lord. Holy Spirit, come down and let whatever I speak be the edification that you need to encourage this body of believers or whoever is hearing this message, Lord. That they have a little bit more strength and vigorousness, Lord, in their faith, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I call this sermon Faith and Sight. 
And I didn't even get the title until this morning. Because I was still going back and forth. Because when I read scripture, and I, and I know I'm going to preach out of it, I always read it. And I reread it. And I reread it. And it's like, like I told you, the Lord hits me in the backside of the head and he finally says, this is what you've got to look at. Sometimes when you read your word, it's not enough just to read it one time. That's why I've encouraged the entire church to read the Bible all the way through in the year. Because it's important to reread it and reread it and let the author of it, as you encourage him and you ask him to come down and speak to you as you're reading it, and he highlights different sections in your mind and he makes it become more alive because this word is what we call a living word. It's always meant to be the edification of our souls. It's always meant to be the thing that will drive us towards the ultimate goal which is what's producing the faith within us. I mean, I want to encourage you. First and foremost, if you don't know what this says, today is the first day you should start getting into it. Today is the first day where you should start saying, Lord, show me who you are. Because if you want to hear God speak, read it. If you want to hear it out loud and hear God speak out loud, read it out loud. This is the word that was inspired through his Holy Spirit, and it was written by the hands of man, but it was his spirit that inspired him. I mean, I don't know of a man named Paul who could have came up with some theological stuff like he did that's so far more sophisticated than anything we have, and we're thousands of years after him, and we're still trying to figure out all the nuggets he had. I don't think God made him that smart back then. I think, truly, it was God's wisdom moving through him. So that being said, read the word. I can give you pieces of it in the sermons. I can give you parts of it. But if you're not engaging God, let me tell you, it's time to. You ready? I'm going to be honest with you. There are sections of the Bible I struggle with and people get caught up on these things. In this, you know who I, who I read was the main characters of this story? Elisha, not Elijah. It's one of those little stumbling blocks. People always get confused with Elijah and Elisha, and they don't understand because they sound so similar. And I'm like, God, why couldn't you name it Elijah and Moab or something completely different? I'm not going to go down that tangent, but there's that. And then the other character in this that we're reading about is King Joash. Let me tell you, that right there always messes me up too because you have King Joash of Judah and King Joash of Israel. And the funny part is, their reigns actually kind of fell in parallel for a small section. And so it gets a little confusing when you get into it. But what you have to realize is King Joash of, of, of Israel followed after his father in his ways. His dad worshipped other gods. His dad led Israel to go and do all the bad things, even after he was the hands and feet that rid Israel of that great and mighty horrible king, Ahab. He, he got rid of all the stuff that Jezebel and Ahab had done and all of Israel, but yet he still walked in the wrong ways. They said he did not walk according to God's will. And then his son did the exact same thing. His son did what he thought he wanted to do. But then there's something that happened within his life because it said he had great mighty victories that were not recorded in any of the Bible. 
But he had great victories, but something happened in his life where he desired to connect with a holy man. He wanted to hear what God was going to say. You, you, you do realize that people in the world, at some point in their life, whether it's a bad event or whatever, start going, God, why are you doing this to me? Everybody seems to have those moments. And I think they need to have more of them, if you want my honest truth. Because when we go through the hard times, when we get so low, is when we look up to the one who is able to do all things. But it's until we get low that we don't start questioning things. That's the problem with the world today. They think themselves way too high. And us in the church know that we're way too low. But that's the conundrum of the king. Or actually, the, the conundrum of the kingdom of God. You do realize that the Bible says very clearly that if you want to be first, the only way you can get to it is by fighting your way up there, right, Shirley? we got to fight our way up there. we got to do everything tooth and nail. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says you have to humble yourself to be the last. you got to put yourself low. My, my little leadership talk for everybody in this place, I tell Lydia this all the time, because my, my Lydia, my oldest one, she's a natural-born leader. But natural-born leaders still have to learn how to lead. And I look at her, and I said, Lydia, I love you to pieces. You might be the loudest voice. You might have the boldest voice. You might have the most confidence within you. And those are God's great gifts that he has given you. But you've got to learn to follow before you'll ever be able to learn to lead. Can I say that again? Every single one of us have the ability to be leaders in our house homes, in our families, and in our workplaces. And better yet, inside Walmart and Target, you could lead people to go to the right register that's open. But you've got to learn to follow first. I can't take somebody to a register that just opened if I didn't learn to follow the rules where it says, if the light's not on, they're not serving me. Better yet, I didn't learn to lead my home without first looking to my Savior saying, Lord, you lead me and show me the way I should go. That I might love my wife with everything I have. That I might raise my kids up to serve you. To humble themselves and to pray. Where I might lead them. You see what I'm trying to get at is. We all have to get to the point where we realize that we are so low. Just like King Joash was doing. He was a man that fought many victories. But there was something that was coming up that made him uncomfortable and uneasy. And he says, I need to go see Elisha. I don't care that he's on his deathbed. I don't care. I just know that he's got the ability to hear from God. And he's got the ability to do some miracles that I need to see in my life. So let me go to him. So he gets to Elisha. And he starts crying out, the chariots of Israel need you. Help me, give me a word that'll do it. And Elijah looks at him and he tells him to do something so crazy. I think it's so interesting. 
Because whenever we ask God to do something, to show us something, he always tells us to do something weird. Come on, come on. Don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. There was like this one time, you've probably heard the story if you've been here, but I'm going to tell somebody because there's people that have never heard my story. I'm sitting inside of a Frisch's Big Boy. If you don't know what that is, it's a place that puts tartar sauce on their hamburgers, and it's delicious. But that being said, I'm sitting in there. We had just lost my job after 15 years. We're looking at each other going, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And the Lord looks at me. Or, 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 I've been praying. God, just show me a door. And I feel in my spirit he's, he, that he's telling me, I want you to get in the car, and I want you to drive to Georgia and pray. I live in Cincinnati. I have four daughters at this time. I looked at my wife, and I said, honey, God says go to Georgia and pray. She says, well, if he says it, I guess we should go. I said, I don't know how we're going to pay the gas. I, I can calculate in my head that this is the amount of mileage. I know how many miles per gallon the, ga the van gets. I know what the price of gas is. I said, it'll be about 60 bucks in gas, so we're good. So we get in the car. We drive down. I get to this town, and I start praying. I said, Lord, I'm here. What do you mean to pray? And I pray a small, like, two-minute prayer. And then in my spirit, he says, get up and go home. So I get in the car and I go home. My kids to the day keep asking me, Dad, why did we go to Georgia just that one time? And you just sat in the parking lot and we prayed, we got subway, and then we drove all the way home. And we didn't get home forever because it was a long car ride. And I said, I don't know. Not everything that God does makes sense in the moment. So when God is, is speaking through his prophet Elisha and he's telling Joash, it's time to pick up a bow and arrow. And he says, I want you to draw the bow. And he draws the bow. And he's probably looking at Elisha going, okay, uh, you, you got the word of God and I'm trusting you right here, right now. But I don't know where this is going. And he says, I want you to get the bow. And then he puts his hand on the bow. I think he starts flexing the bow. You do realize God is doing things called testing us in our faith every single day. And there are days that he's wanting us to, to start getting this, this bow out of our lives and we've got to get it stretched to make sure our muscles are capable about getting the right tension going. Trust me, I wanted to stop on my way home and get a bow and arrow and then I realized that my, my, my wrist is not capable of holding that much tension still right now. So I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want everybody in the house of the Lord this morning, I want you to take the bow in your right hand, or your left hand, and pull the string back real quick. Come on, I want to see the bows get tensed. See, you guys all look phenomenal. I wish I had a camera on you guys this morning. But it's about getting the right procedure going. You see, we come to church every Sunday. We come in here expecting God to do some miraculous things. But what he's looking at us saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Well, you come in every single day. You can release your bow there, Miss Tara. <laughs> I don't want you to shoot somebody this morning right now. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get you at is he's trying to get you to become aware of who he is. He's trying to get you aware of what he's capable of doing. And the off, weird things that he asks us to do are things that stretch out our faith. It's like the tithe and offering, like I tell you every Sunday. It's part of that testing of our faith. Are you going to trust God with a tenth of it that he already gave you because everything he has is already his and he's just letting you borrow it? 
Are you going to trust him to give it back? Are you going to trust him enough to say, Lord, I don't care what I have. I'm worthless rags. Just show me to test my bow. You see, what I'm trying to get at is he's asking you to do some really weird stuff. Stuff that doesn't make sense in the world. Trust me in all things and see what I'll do. I mean, can you imagine Noah getting the instructions, the great download of the whole architectural plans from God to build this thing called an ark? Because there's this thing called rain that's going to come. And he's like, okay, I don't know what an ark is. I've never seen what rain is. But okay, God, I'll spend 100 years building this ark and wait for this rain for 100 years. What I'm trying to say is, it's time for us to realize, right here, right now, that God is asking you to do the important impossible things. It's not about you. It's about what he's trying to do in the story through you. So many people get it wrong. They think it's about them. Oh, I'm testing my faith out. God is trying to give me muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger. By flexing this bow, oh yeah. I mean, I could do the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, but I'm going to keep you there, Chip. I'm not going to make you burst. But what I want you to realize is that there is a truth that God wants you to understand. The testing of your faith is making you realize the power of the weapons he's giving you to fight the battles. Bible is clear. Flesh and bone we do not fight against, but by spiritual principalities and darkness we fight against. How do you fight against something like that? How do you fight something like that? Demonic possessions. How do you fight all these chaotic attacks, the enemy whispering in your ear saying, hey, you're worthless. Hey, you should just stop doing that. Nobody likes that. Let me tell you, I've heard it way too many times and times again that my voice sounds horrible when I sing. But I already know that God already says, I love it more than you'd ever understand because it's sold out for me and you're dedicating it to me. They might not like it around you, but that's just because the enemy's lying to their ears. The enemy's lying to us constantly and he's telling us that we're invaluable. But the Bible tells us that you are precisely who he designed you to be. The only difference is he wants to be inside of you growing you and changing you and making you his vessel. The enemy wants to keep getting you dark and grimy and nasty and everything else. But he wants to say, I loved you. I love you now. I'll love you forever. But you just got to let me get you where I need you to be. It's time to let the bow get flexed. Time to start letting the word of God come in and flex you. It's time to start letting it cut through all the nasty stuff within you. There's a lot of false teachings out there. Can I say that again? There's a lot of false teachings out there. And I'm never going to tell you to take every word I say where, where like it's 100%. I try to do my best. Let me tell you, I have word stumbles. I have a stammering tongue sometimes that doesn't always get the words out precisely like they need to. I'm not perfect. This is. And if this is perfect and it's making us to be better than what we were once before, let it change us. But what God is trying to say is this is sharper than a two-edged sword. That's what Hebrews or chapter 4 tells us. 
that it cuts down deeper than the marrow, and it separates what the bad is in our life and protects us from what's good. It's the, the precise surgeon's tool within our lives that makes us better. And what we really have to understand is this right here can also cut others. It can cut others. Trust me. Can I, can I just say sometimes church people are worse than the people out in the world? Am I being too harsh yesterday? Am I, am I being too mean to the church people? Because we're all holy. We're all righteous. There are some times that people in this church will hurt people that they don't even realize that they're hurting because they're so coarse in their words. They don't realize the Bible doesn't say go and tell everybody else that you're righteous and that they should be righteous like you. I encourage this church every single week to go and love your neighbor as yourself as you love the Lord God with everything you have for the purpose because that's the command. The command is greater than what we're supposed to do. You see, we're all fighting battles. We're all fighting these spiritual battles every which way we go. Lord knows I can't go into Walmart. Yes, I always will dish on Walmart, Brother Chip. I can't go into Target sometimes. I can't go into the world without knowing that I'm going to fight against some things. It's like the stuff they're trying to teach kids in public schools. I can't go and put on those public schools without going, what are they doing? I can't watch the news without going, can't fix stupid. If you don't know me, that's my favorite phrase because I can't fix stupid. There are some things in this world I wish I could fix, but I can't fix stupid. I can pray for you and the Holy Spirit can do it all because you're not going to listen to me. Because so often, stupid people think they're the smartest people in the world. So that's where I say that. But I'm trying to get at us. We're all fighting battles. And the church is getting to a place where we're going up and asking God, God, what is it you want me to do? And he's telling us to flex our bows. To start picking up our arrows. And he's telling us, I want you to go and I want you to pinpoint targets that I tell you to do and launch He's telling us to get the bows ready, put the arrow on it, look out the window, and shoot and see where it lands. Indiscriminately, I don't know. I don't know. I watch way too many movies. I've watched movies like Braveheart where I watch these battles where they're going up on the battle lines and the archers get up and they hear the command and they go and pull their bows up and they go, huh. And I'm like, what are they pointing at? And then they release it and then I watch all the arrows. And then I watch movies like The Lord of the Rings. You got Legolas, the great elf in the movie. And he's like, oh, boom, 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 boom. And the magical arrows just keep showing up and he's attacking everybody. Let me tell you, there's a difference between what God's calling us to do and, 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 and what everybody else is calling us to do. The world wants us to be more like Legolas, where we're just killing everybody that's around us saying, yeah, you got to go die. But what God is saying is, if you're in my army, You've got to listen to my command. If I tell you to take the bow, and I tell you to put the arrow on it, oh, well, I'm going to tell you, pull it back. And then when I tell you to fire, it's time to fire. But you don't have to trust in your own aiming where that arrow is going to go. 
Because what Elijah was trying to tell Josiah of Israel, he was trying to tell the same thing to us. He says the arrow of the Lord of victory is God's arrow. It's the one that will strike the enemy right where he needs to go. You see, I think the church needs to get a little bit more ready. I think the church needs to get a little bit more flexed up. I think the church needs to start letting faith become truly the sight that we go for. I am so tired of playing the same old, same old. You see, this weekend they told us to cause chaos in the churches. And you're looking at me like, chaos? Please no, I don't want the disruption in the church. No, I don't want to cause chaos that's going to cause everybody want to walk out the doors. I want to cause chaos which stirs up our spirits within us that want to be more hungry and sold out for God, asking Him, what do you want me to do? You see, that's the point. We get our ideas of faith and we're like, oh, I'm fighting the battles. Lord, I'm ready. I'm getting my workout, God. Oh, I'm doing this. Oh, yeah, I'm right, yeah. But what He's really asking us to What are you trying to do? Are you following my commands? Are you following my leadings? You see, I love the scripture where it says in Proverbs 16, 9, the Lord, or the man's heart plans his way, but the Lord establishes the steps. I think we need to start being a little bit more like that. You see, that's the struggle within the church. We like to get physician in our place and do the same thing that we always did because it's comfortable. But we're fighting battles that we don't even realize we're fighting. We got an enemy that knows how to fight battles better than we do. We give the devil way more credit than what he's worth, but there are some times that we give him just the right amount. Yeah, we fight battles that are crazy. We struggle every single day because he wants to get us to fail. Because he knows that if he can get one domino to fall, that start more will start following after. That's why he goes after leaders. That's why he goes after people that we look at and go, oh, they're so spiritually right. That's why I will always tell you, I am not all that in a bag of chips. If you're following after me, you're following after the wrong person. You see, there's a guy named Jesus that you need to be following after greater than me. John the Baptist was clear. He says, I'm not worthy of cutting, taking off the sandals off of his feet. I'm definitely not like John the Baptist. So I'm definitely not even worthy to take his sandals off. But I'm going to trust God with everything that he's got because he's empowered me to do what he needs to do. You see, last week I finished up the circle series, but I said God cannot use you unless he empowers you. And that's what he's trying to do in every single one of our lives. He's trying to engage us to encourage us, to teach us, to show us, to remind us of His goodnesses and His mercies. He's trying to show us that we have to get ready for battle. But we have to carry the right tools. You see, we go to battle way too often and we're like, my pastor said this, devil. My pastor said that. Somebody at that Bible study I went to about 10 years ago said this. But we have to have the right tools. We need the right arrows. 
We need the right weapons. Can you imagine David going up to Goliath? Saying, hey, Goliath, you come at me with a sling or a, a spear and a javelin and, a, and all the crazy stuff that you got, but I'm going to come at you with my little bitty dagger. What was the battle going to be? He would have lost in a heartbeat. But it's God's empowering that allowed David to know that he could trust the five smooth stones that he grabbed up off the riverbed as he was walking up to Goliath. It was God preparing him with the right tools. He showed up with the right weapons for the right place at the right time. And what I'm trying to get somebody to realize is that we have to be willing to ask God, God, what is it that you want to put in me? What is it that you want to show me? You see, the king of Judah probably thought Elijah was going to say, oh, the Lord is going to go fight the battle for you. He's going to wipe them all out like Moses had, and they're not going to have to fight. But he's not doing that. You see, our Christian walk is messy. Can I say that a little bit, little bit less bold? A little bit more scared? Our Christian walk is messy. It's hard. It's a journey that leaves us struggling sometimes. And a lot of Christians, they go through the battles without the proper tools. And then we wonder, why did they not stand strong? Why did they walk away from their faith? Why did they lose hearts? You see, there are so many people that do that. That's why people in the world go, oh, those Christians, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And I'm like, some are. Because we never got trained properly. We never got tested properly. We never let God be all in, in our lives. We didn't trust him with our daily life, let alone on our Sunday life. But what we have to get at is where we start going and to God and letting him move. You see, what God is trying to ask the world today is the same questions he asks us. Where and what is your hope in? Where and what is your hope? Is it in money? Is it in your job? Is it in the car that gets you to work every single day? Is it in the roof of your head? Is it in your family? Is it in your, your way of providing things? Or is it in the one that says, the word says, started it all and is going to finish it all? He asks us, what gives you the confidence that you have every single day? That one right there always kills me. Because so many in this world today put their confidence in what they think is right. They will argue it tooth and nail because they are so sold into their self-idealism that they don't even realize that it doesn't make sense. But God's asking the world today, what is it that your confidence is in? Is your confidence in your ability to articulate a great message? Because there are some pastors, and I'm just going to be harsh on people. I, I, I can't be nice to everybody. And if I offend somebody, I'm going to offend somebody in this. But there are some pastors in this world 
that can speak a great game and have a great message, but never hear from God. I've read of stories and talked to different ministers that said, so how did you go into the ministry? Well, somebody once told me I could speak really good, so I figured I'd get into it and get the money. That's the what keeps you going? Because it's some good money. And I'm like, where's your heart? How can you speak with such boldness and such confidence because you're all about your money? And they're like, it's just what it is. And I'm like, dude, I don't get you. I couldn't get up here every Sunday with a message that God's given me if he didn't give it to me. Better yet, I don't like speaking in public, Sister Shirley. Let me tell you, before I preach every Sunday, I get that little cold sweat down my back, and I know it's got to be my fear and my insignificance and my insecurities. But it's his confidence that he put within me that makes it bold. It's the truth that he lies within me that gives me the strength to See, when he asked the question to the world, where is and what gives you confidence? I know their answer. But I have to ask, why do we keep going in the church? What keeps us so solidified in our faith that allows us to remember that Sunday's coming? That I gotta be at church. That every day I gotta open my word. That every day I gotta be faithful to him. That I gotta pray. That every day I got to watch these words that come out of my mouth. Because I want them to be the meditation of my heart that will be acceptable and pleasing in his sight. What is it that we go through? You see, as Christians, it's always going to be the faith that in the end times, this is just a small fleeting part of eternity. And that's what we have to pursue after and go through. But the other question that God keeps asking the world is the one that we need to really take a self-evaluation of. What gives us life? Mother's Day is coming up. And if I were to ask that question on that day, what gives you life? Everybody say, my mom! True. But the Bible also is clear and concise when it says, I formed you in your mother's womb. So if he's the one that put the life in her, we can trust that he's the one that gives life. And that's a debate that keeps hitting up in the world and that God is trying to get the right tools in our hands to be able to fight the battles that are coming forth. Let me tell you, there's a lot of way too many weak Christians that would not even be able to tell you those small scriptures, let alone the rest that are in here. We need to start getting so hungry and start, God, show me how to get my bow flexed. God, I need more strength. God, I need to trust you. God, give me the answers and the wisdom to fight my battles. And he tells you, flip the page. Flip the page. I should call this message, flip the page, Sister Andy. But here's where I want you to get at. I got ten minutes for the last point, and I'll get to it. It's not just enough to flip the page. It's not just enough to get into the Word and flip the page. 
Anybody with half of ability to move their finger can flip a page. But what did King Joash get challenged to do after he fired the arrow out? It says that Elijah told him, go pick up the arrows. Well, I just fired it. Am I getting ready to fire another arrow? That's probably what he was thinking. I have to put some kind of personality in there as I read it. Because you've got to realize, I'm pretty stupid sometimes. I can't fix stupid in myself sometimes. It's all about God. Come on. So, so he tells him, go pick up the arrows. And he picks up the arrows and he says, I want you to do me one more thing. Strike the ground with them. You see, so many of us, we read the word. We flip the pages. But we have to start tacking it into our hearts. You see, the ground that God is trying to move in our lives is the ground that he's trying to tell us to attack. We're way too afraid sometimes to do a lot of different things that he's called us to do. I mean, I know my story about George is like, oh, that's so inspiring, it's so great. No, it was like, why am I doing this, God? Why am I driving to Georgia? Why am I doing this or that? God, why is this? I, I know the whole eight-hour drive down to Georgia, I'm like, God, I feel so stupid. God, I trust you. Melissa looks at me and goes, so did God tell you why we're going to Georgia? No. Are you sure we're supposed to go to Georgia? Yep. Okay. And I'm like, she asked me again, why are we going to Georgia? Well, this is all I know, honey. I keep telling you the same thing over and over again. I felt in my spirit that I have to go to Georgia. So I'm driving to Georgia, and the kids are in the back seat listening to, uh, 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 what was it, Paw Patrol, because we had the DVD player in the car. So I'm going, Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol, we'll be there on the devil. And I'm like, God, can I get to Georgia on the devil now? I know it sounds inspiring. So wonderful. But what I'm wanting you to understand is that God is asking the church for something. He's asking each and every one of you, what is it that you're willing to do for me? And is it enough for me? Are you willing to be all in for me? You see, Joe Ash looked at Elijah and said, okay, I'll strike the ground. One, two, three. Actually, I could see him doing one, two, three. I mean, he didn't see how hard he struck the ground. I just said he struck the ground. I could see him going, tap, tap, tap. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of Christians in this world that are, God's saying, I want you to do this. Like, okay. I'll tap the ground, God. Okay, I want to see the miracle. And he's like, no. Where's the veracity in your faith? Where's that desire and that hunger to see my hand move? You see, what I'm trying to get at is that God is asking some some really awesome things from us. But he wants to see it come from our heart. King Joash probably didn't have a heart for God because we know he did a lot of evil things. So as he's coming up in desperation, he's saying, God, I want you to touch it. Tap, tap, tap. And what God is saying is, I want you to get so hungry, so thirsty, that you'll see my righteousness fall. That you'll see the victories go through and the enemy will have no more ground to stand on. 
You see, so many of us have been walking around in our faith for so long that we're just tapping the ground. But it's time for us to start doing something even greater, which is strike it as hard as we can with such ferocity that the ground has to move. And with such a ferocity that will not stop. You see, so many of us say, Lord, I want you to save my lost loved ones. One next day, Lord, I want you to save my lost loved ones. The next day, the Lord, I want you to save my lost loved ones. And they go through the system of repeat with no veracity. What is the desire in your heart today? Where is the faith that's got to be in sight of what you're looking for? Is it to see the lost loved ones truly saved? Where is the weeping? Where is the veracity in your prayer that you're saying, God, I need you to do it? There has got to be days in your life where you're so hungry to see God move that you will not move from that spot for hours. There's got to be days in your life where you say, God, I'm trusting you with it all. I'm leaving it all on the table. I'm emotionally just completely sold out for you. That's my veracity. Show me with your hand. I want to see the enemy completely defeated and demolished. I want to see the fortresses of the enemy completely gone. And that's what he's calling the church to. He's calling each and every one of you saying, where is that veracity anymore? You see, the church has gotten way too quiet. We keep tapping that ground. Lord, I just want you to move. Save our city. Let the weapons of their warfare be fallen to the ground. But he's saying... When are you going to take the ground back from them? When are you going to start being bold enough to strike the ground in front of the enemy? When are you going to start being bold enough that when the enemy keeps telling you you didn't save, get saved by God, he doesn't love you, you're not worthy, that you look back at him and says, I know he saved me and I know he loves me. When are we going to get so hungry for that? When are we going to be so thirsty for that that we cannot be contained any longer? Because the prophet Jeremiah was right when he was looking at the potter's hands and what God was trying to tell him was, I want my church to be the vessel that is full of the living water. One that's rushing over with a ferocity that it cannot be contained any longer. It's time for the church to be what he's called us to be. All in in everything. All in saying, God, use me. All in saying, God, destroy the enemies around me and let me be what you called me to be. Let me have the veracity in the heart where I will not be quiet any longer. You see, if we could do that, we would see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We would be waiting a little less longer for that trumpet to go, dope, da da da. We would be ready to see his good hand come down. And we would see the enemy finally, once and for all, locked in the pit according to Revelation. You see, church, we have to have our focus completely in sight. So the question I want to ask you is, what is the thing you're focusing on? What is it? 
Is it the thing that you could see and touch every single day about the worries of the bills? Is it about the money in the bank account? Is it about the having the water on in the house? Is it about the, the, the ability of whatever you could have right here, right now? Or is it that his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? Is it the ability to win the battles that you can win? Or let him completely demolish the enemy that would ever fight against you? You see, what I'm trying to get you at is a place where you understand that he loves you more than you'd ever understand. He has more compassion for you. But he wants to empower you and encourage you all the way through that you do not have to go quietly into the night any longer. But it's time to be bold enough to say, Lord, give me the weapons of my warfare and let me be the vessel that you called me to be. Let me pour out this living water of love on this nation and let me be bold enough to quote scripture that can make them so that they think their truths are so smart, but your word is so clear and concise. It's time for us to take the bows in our hands and start shooting them with the trust that his word will be the one that edifies. His word will be the one that cuts. Better yet, his word will be the one that restores. Because sometimes arrows get shot out without the intention or malice to destroy. Sometimes they used to put little messages on them and say, hey, spread the word. And what I feel that God is trying to tell us to do is pull these bows back and start spreading the word. If you'll stand with me this morning. If you'll stand with me this morning, we're going to welcome those that are here that might have been touched by the message. But I want you to be touched by this one truth. That Jesus did live. Jesus did die. He was maimed. He was beaten to a cross. The Bible says he did that to take your transgressions because God loved you so much that he didn't want to leave that on you any longer, but that he would take the punishment for your sins so that you could have salvation and so that you could be adopted into his son and daughtership of him so that you would have the hope of eternal reward of salvation but that comes through saying Lord I am not worthy of it all and I need to be brought low and I want to be empowered by your spirit if that is anybody in the house that needs to accept the Lord in their heart if you'll just raise your hand this morning if that's you online just text us and we'll, we're going to say a prayer in a minute too I can't go without doing this anymore, without at all doing this during services. Is there anybody in the house of the Lord this morning? Okay. Well, we're going to go and say this prayer for somebody that's online. Because they need to hear this. So if you'll just say it with me, and so that will encourage them at home. Father God, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I need you, Jesus, to come into my life, to redeem me like you did on the cross. And you paid for my punishment of sin. That I might have hope. So today, Lord, I declare you're the Lord of my life. And I'll pursue after you the rest of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Is there anybody that needs a special prayer this morning? Anybody? The altars are always open. But I just want to encourage somebody. It's time for us to step forward.
and be bold enough to ask God, what is it that you want me to do? God, empower me and equip me. Show me how to be the vessel that you need me to be. So let's say a prayer real quick. Father God, Lord, I thank you for each and every one of them here this morning. I ask you to touch them, Lord. Lord, I ask you to speak words clearly and concise, Lord, and encourage them, Lord, to be poured into your word, Lord, so that way they would have an argument and a defense of their faith. Lord, that you will show them to be mighty men and women of valor. That you'll be able to let them withstand whatever the enemy would want to throw at them, Lord, but that you'll let them be the arrows and the launchers of them to go forth into this community, Lord, to make the difference as they spread the message of hope and the message of your truth into a lost and dying world. Lord, touch them and encourage them, Lord, in all that they do. Strengthen them, Lord, and embolden them and empower them in all that they are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And amen. Church, we love you all. Go and be the church. Brother Steve, we'll pray with you just a second. Take me.